Today we meet Lamore Bergman Gross. Lamore worked over 20 years in tech as an engineer, manager, and director of engineering. She knows firsthand what it's like being a woman in a male-dominated field and all the challenges that women face in the tech industry. Lamore has always been passionate about supporting women in tech and has been mentoring women now for over five years. Lamore has helped many women achieve their career goals through coaching and mentoring. In this episode, Lamore shares some actionable career tips and advice that can be put into use immediately. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Well, hello. We have with us today, Teresa and I are excited to have Lemore Bergman-Gross. We're excited to have you here with us today and excited about what you can share with our audience. Welcome to Earrings Off. Thank you, Lou and Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. So, Lemore, can you share five tips with people? who want to build their personal brand on LinkedIn. And I have to tell you, I'm particularly interested in these answers because um, that's something I've struggled with in the past. Uh, I'm a bit of a writer. I've published a couple of times there and gotten some great feedback. So I just want to hear, how do you build your personal brand on LinkedIn? Sure, sure. So it all started... Um, about, I would say, 12 years ago when I moved to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any connections and I had to find a job. So that's okay. where it all started. And I was looking for a job traditionally and uh, it was not yielding success. So uh, I, I learned everything I could about LinkedIn. And I guess it starts with building a profile. I mean, uh, some people don't even have one or they have one very basic and one of the things that people may not know that you can actually customize your profile URL. Mm-hmm. Have you known that? No, you know, I did not. I knew that, but I haven't taken the time to yeah. figure out how people have done that. Yeah. yeah. And I, did, so, I never knew there was an advantage to that. There was, uh, first of all, to create even just a URL that will be memorable. Just It can be just your first and last name. To mm-hmm. begin with, because by default, linking create a URL that is combination of your name plus some digit, random digits mm-hmm. and numbers. And think about if you want to share with people your profile, it's much easier if you have a, an easy to remember URL. Yeah. yeah. So that would be the be- the first reason. The second reason to do so is that c- you can even embed keywords in your profile URL. Okay. So for example, let's say... In my in my uh, case, I'm a, I'm a coach and a mentor. So if I wanted, I could embed the word coach inside my profile URL. So it will be found on Google. And by the way, interesting fact, if you look, try to look for your name on Google and mm-hmm. see what comes up first. 
Well, I have to tell you, I'm a little concerned about that. I Google myself all the time. I'm just, I got a little issue with that. I, I need to get some therapy, but I am constantly Googling myself. I don't know what I think I might find if I think maybe I robbed the bank in my sleep. I don't know, but I just want to make sure. It's constant. I, I'm serious. Yeah, so that's funny. <laughs> so if you Google your name, at least if I Google my name, one of the top results they come is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is uh, highly ranked on, on Google. So that's yet another reason why you want to make sure that you have a profile there. So we'll start with the URL. And the second thing that is very, sounds very basic and trivial is your profile picture. Unfortunately, many people either don't have a picture or don't have a recent picture of themselves. And it's very strange if you connect to someone on LinkedIn and then you schedule a call. It could be an interview in case you're looking for a job or it could be some business opportunity. And then the person in front of you doesn't look at all like the picture they have. Mm -hmm. It's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend people usually to put a picture that is relatively recent. Okay. And uh, you don't have to do something fancy. Uh, I recently did a professional uh, shot, but you don't have to do that. I mean, in the past, I had <laughs> one of the pictures I used in the past was actually taken to my US visa mm-hmm. <laughs> application. <laughs> and another one was uh, just my daughter took a picture mm-hmm. of me when we were sitting and drinking coffee in a coffee shop. So it doesn't have to be something super fancy, as long as, you know, it's a picture of you with a relatively, you know, Light background, not very dominant background, and smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of basic, right? And by the way, even in the picture itself, when you upload the picture, you can use your you can use keywords. So you can name your picture as you know whatever keywords you want to use. So that's another tactic you can do. And then the background picture, and many people don't have one, and. Uh, it's a shame because that's a great opportunity to showcase who you are in case you have, for example, in your case, you have the podcast, so you can put the podcast, you know, graphics, mm-hmm. uh, or if you're a business owner, you can put anything related to your business, including URL to your website or anything that you would like to highlight. If you are an employee and have some skills, you can highlight them on the background picture. And it's very good because people are very visual They don't spend much time on your profile. So definitely when they land on your profile, you want them to easily figure out who you are and what you do. And that's a great great way to do so. Right. And one of the tools that I like to use is called Canva. I don't know if you're using it. Mm -hmm. You may Mm -hmm. already be familiar with it. Uh Yeah. And with Canva, you can just create very easily beautiful pictures, both for your background picture, but also for posts and other social media mm-hmm. work that you do. I okay. use it for anything. It's a great tool. The next tip I would say is your title and your headline. And uh, by default, by default, LinkedIn put just your name and the last position you had. So let's say I'll take a, just a trivial example. Let's say you are a software engineer at Google. So by default, LinkedIn would put software engineer at Google, but you may want to do something different. Maybe you want to switch to become a product manager or you have skills you want to highlight, like, for example, some technical skills. Maybe you work on specific technologies or whatever. So the headline is a great place to highlight 
all the skills that you have and rank for keywords. And LinkedIn, about a few months ago, extended the number of characters you can include in your headline from 120 characters to something around 300. So mm-hmm. it's incredible just to use that for ranking on searches on LinkedIn. Definitely mm-hmm. utilize that. And I can go on and on on okay. LinkedIn. So just you'll have to stop whenever you want okay. to switch a topic. Okay. <laughs> We can go ahead and talk about something else. Please um, share with us some recommendations on getting promotions at work. Sure. What, what's sure. the best way to make that happen? Yeah. So the best way to make it happen, first of all, is to know what you want. Mm-hmm. Assuming, let's say you know what you want. And in my case, okay, I work. I worked as a manager for engineers and I wanted to become a director. So I knew what I wanted. Now it's important for your manager to know your career aspirations, not in a way that is coming off as demanding or pressuring, but they need to know what Mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, how can they support you? And many people just assume, you know, things will happen and someone will promote that them and uh, doesn't necessarily happen that way. So you need to make sure that your manager and your HR business partner know your career aspirations. And then you need to figure out, okay, what is the gap between what you're doing today to the position you want to do in the future? You have to realize what is the gap? What is missing for you? And your manager is there to support you. So you Mm -hmm. should ask your manager, okay, I want to become a director of engineering or whatever that may be. Uh, what, What is currently from your perspective, what is missing? And how do I work towards, you know, getting those skills? Thing. Another tactic I would say, always initiate, initiate, always do something that is not maybe your your role, but do more. Uh, I always believe that people are promoted when they already operate at that level. So you don't need to wait to be promoted in order to operate in the next level. You need to take initiatives. You need to do things that maybe that are bringing value and maybe they are not part of your role. So it could be, let's say you're a software engineer and you help with resolving different conflicts with different teams. Mm -hmm. You help with coming up with ideas. You help with coming up with suggestions for roadmaps. So you already operate at a higher level. And then when your manager sees that and you talk with them about it, they will much more likely to want to promote you. That is awesome advice. Well, and I tell you, Limor, what you shared, that's something that was shared with me years ago when I started out in my career, and that is dead on. I had uh, a manager tell me years ago, Lou, people have to see you as a director. They have to know that you are at that level before you get there. So you have to conduct yourself that way, present yourself every day in the workplace as if you are already there. And I took what she said to, she said to heart. And I, I have to tell you your earlier point about not assuming that people know you have aspirations, but you being very clear in a non-threatening way. You know what? I, I'm interested in that role. And um, being confident enough to say that because people aren't mind readers. They have to know that this is something you want, but not only that you want, you can actually fulfill those responsibilities. So absolutely. Yeah, good. Very good stuff. So what kind of tips can you share on how you can network when you're an introvert? Yeah, absolutely. 
So luckily today, uh, we can network online. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't uh, available a few years ago. And um, I remember that I started my career and the only way to network would go to some events, right? To face-to-face right. events. Yeah. Many of them, you know, I, I remember I was going to conferences with tens of thousands of people. It was very, very intimidating to me. Very intimidating. Mm-hmm. I never felt comfortable. Yeah. And today you can do it online. You need to find different communities that you relate to and, and just join. So, for example, I have one... A recommendation to join Lunch Club. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It's called lunchclub.com. Mm-hmm. It's great for networking. And the reason I like it is because you create a profile. They have a technology that matches you with people that, based on your interests. Really? And you meet people one-on-one. So you network on a one-on-one basis, which I find much less intimidated, intimidating yeah. than, than within a group setup. Mm-hmm. And also you can create more meaningful connections that way. It may take longer, right? Because you need to meet each person individually, but I feel like the connections are much stronger when you spend 30 to 45 people with someone, you, uh, sorry, 30 to 45 minutes with someone you don't know, you learn right. something about them. So I mm-hmm. highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to check that well, out. Yeah. I never yeah. heard of that, but Limo, I have to tell you, I'm an introvert and to, I, Teresa and I would talk about this. Teresa's an extrovert. When we go to things, she is all over the place. And that's the thing I'm not as comfortable with. So this would be a, a great tool for me to look into because that's something. I'm an introvert. And yeah. the number of people and people coming at you and you know talking, it's just a lot for me to stay engaged in that kind of setting. So great. Yeah, great I completely agree with you. I'm very like you, Lou. And uh, I feel much more comfortable. To be honest, I feel more comfortable networking virtually than, you know, face-to-face. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even face-to-face with pe- with places that are not as crowded. Yeah. For example, there is another um, recommendation for you, for women specifically. Mm-hmm. There is an organization that is called Elevate Network. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have not. You're just dropping all kinds of things on us today. Have not. Yeah. and I, I am writing it down, though. Yeah. And I can send you the links later. Yeah. And Elevate Network, the nice thing about it, they have what it's called chapters. And it's based usually on geographic locations. Okay. Before uh-huh. COVID, they used to actually meet face-to-face. And since COVID, they, I think they're now back to face-to-face, but they also combine that okay. with virtual. Okay. And then you can join a, a chapter if there is one, in, you know, where you live. Okay. And even meet people face-to-face uh-huh. or virtually. And, and the chapters are not very big and a lot of Times so you bring different speakers, and if you join consistently, like the same chapter, you'll start getting to know the same people, and it will become easier. Right. They also have on their paid version, they also have something called squad, and a squad is like a cohort that lasts for several. I think it's two months or so, and again, you meet with a specific set of people, about ten women. You meet with them every week. You talk about different topics. You have a moderator. Oh, that's and that's good. another great way to network. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Right. Because you know, it's 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 critical that particularly when you're in when you're a female in management, that you have resources and um people who can not only mentor you, but peers that you can bounce things off of. So thank you for that. That's critical. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also recommend 
Uh, if you have, and I'm sure both of you have a lot to give to mm-hmm. others, I recommend to join some, some organizations and mentor. I mm-hmm. mentor with, I don't know how many organizations right now. I mean, uh, and yeah. I am not always active in all of them, but I mentor a lot. Oh, yeah. And it's a great way, first of all, to give back. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it boosts your confidence because you're helping others. And it's also a good opportunity to meet others. You meet right. not just the mentees and learn from them, but a lot of times those organizations do also for the mentors, different events. You know, most of them are virtual and you can network with right. uh, with other mentors. Yeah. And that's another great opportunity to meet. And I can send you also uh, several links to several organizations that I'm active with mm-hmm. that... Um, that does mentoring. Like I just recently uh, joined Torch. I mentored with Plateau HQ, which is for engineering leaders and product leaders. The female factor, Power to Fly is the mentorship program I created. So I I mentored with a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And as I said, not all of them at the same time, but I'm active in all of them and it's great. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So with COVID, a lot of things changed, right? Mm -hmm. You just mentioned about all of these uh, organizations that are, are are continuing to meet virtually um, and even work, you know, the workplace has changed. So what are, what are the best strategies to manage remote teams effectively? Yeah, that's a great question, Teresa. And, you know, I started working fully remote in 2016 oh, before, okay. before okay. everyone before was COVID. doing that, uh-huh. right? Okay. Before COVID, not only that, I started managing a team. I was an engineering manager back then, and I started managing. I couldn't believe it's even possible. Mm. The thing is that that, uh, you need to make deliberate deliberate effort in connecting with people you work with. So that means initiating conversations with them. Because what happens is that when you're not in the same office, you don't have the opportunities to have like the water cool conversation, Mm -hmm. go for coffee, lunch, or whatever. So you need to identify people that you want to meet, you know, and sometimes you don't know, you can ask your manager or peers, hey, who are some people that are important for me to to know? And you need to engage with them and reach out and say, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Let's connect. Even a 15 minute conversation can take you much further because you already know that person. So make deliberate effort. And when I was managing, I was insisting to have a weekly one-on-one which with each direct report. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. although it was, you know, at some points I had a lot of people reporting to me and it was very time consuming, but it was the only way for Mm -hmm. me to really connect with them. And believe me, when you manage engineers, they don't like meetings. And some (laughs) of them were trying to resist. He said, "Eh, we don't need to meet. And I always insisted. And I said, even if we meet just for five minutes and we check in and we see that everything is going well, that's fine. But it's really important to do so. And uh, another thing I would say is having processes, well-defined mm-hmm. processes. For example, well-defined onboarding and hiring and interviewing process because you want to make sure that, for example, when someone new joins, they have an onboarding plan for who they need to meet, what they need to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important also when they start in an office uh, environment, but because they started, they don't know anyone and they don't have the opportunity to meet people in the office. It's even more important that you give them a well-defined plan, who they need to meet, 
and and I was doing that for people I manage, and also my managers that report to me were doing that for people they manage. Mm-hmm. I was even doing that on a okay on the first week. Those are the people you need to meet. On the second week, then maybe after a month, go meet with those. So it will help people. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's a, it may look a little bit artificial, right? You need to go and schedule some time, but you have to do it because yeah. otherwise, you'll not have the opportunity to meet with those people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But I would think for someone that's coming on new, that would take away a lot of the anxiety, though, because if someone has taken the time to craft a plan to introduce you to people, for you to start forming rela- relationships then that takes a bit of pressure off you to figure it all out because you have someone there that's in the organization who's telling you, okay, think about doing this. This is who you need to talk talk with. So I uh, I think that's a great plan, uh, particularly for new people coming aboard. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Limor, let's talk about diversity and inclusion. Sometimes we everybody talks about it, but implementation is not always clear. How can companies build an inclusive culture? Yeah, and that's a tricky question. As you as you mentioned, Lou, I mean, everyone talks about it, but unfortunately, not enough companies actually do something about it. Right. And it started, I think, with the mindset, first of all, what is even inclusive culture? And and realizing that different people may not feel the same. Right. For example, I was always passionate about women, but mm-hmm. even women is a generalization. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was part of a DEI committee in, in one of the companies I work for. And then I found out shockingly that, for example, women of color didn't feel the same as I. Mm-hmm. They felt neglected. They felt, you know, a different kind of feelings that I have. So it's it's embracing that there are different people and you need to really be deliberate about understanding that you have different people in your team and and how you approach each one of them. It starts with small things. For example, when you do some, uh, if you want to send some small, you know, token of appreciation, for example, realizing what each person likes and what they don't like. Because if you send the same thing for everyone, well, some people may, may appreciate or not. When you do an activity for the team, if you meet, making sure that everyone can be included. And uh, mm-hmm. I was suffering a lot from that because I always worked predominantly with men and all the activities were kind of, you know, uh, one of them was archery, for example. I remember that. I was so mm-hmm. bad and I didn't enjoy that much. <laughs> but I was doing that because, uh, you know, that was yeah. part of what the team wanted. Yeah. But think about how can you create activities that everyone will feel comfortable. Right, right. And it it takes a lot of deliberate effort also with hiring because you want to make sure that you have a diverse team. You cannot create an inclusive culture if everyone are the same. That's right. right. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's easier said than done. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Right. And, and, and it start and it needs to start at the top. Mm-hmm. Because even if you hire some people from different backgrounds, if all the executives are white men. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. It's really yeah. hard to change the culture. It's hard for people to relate. It's hard for people to, to even realize that it's possible for them to grow at that company. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are all of the 
questions that we have uh, for you today. But Lee Moore, do you have a bit of advice in, in closing that you'd like to leave with our audience? And the best advice I could be, give uh, the audience is believe in yourself, find people who lift you up and can help you with your confidence. And there's so many possibilities for each one of us. I mean, I was in a career and I thought that there was only one thing that I can do, be an engineering leader, eventually found out that there's so much I can do and give to the world. So <laughs> find the people who can help you realize that. Mm -hmm. And and go and do what you're passionate about uh, and what you're good at. And it can mm -hmm. be something different than what you do today. Don't be mm -hmm. stuck in something that you don't like just because that's the only thing you currently can see. Mm -hmm. Try right. to find people who can help you see beyond that. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is some great That's, advice. Yeah. Excellent advice. Thank you so very much for joining us today at Earrings Off. We know that um, your message is going to resonate with our audience. It's resonated with us. So thank you for being here. And we wish you all the best from Earrings Off. Thank you so much for having me, Lou and Teresa. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. <laughs>